Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Everyone right Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets! Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. And I am joined by my esteemed colleague from InsideIndieSports.com. He is the editor and publisher of that institution covering Notre Dame athletics as part of the Rivals Network. Eric Hansen in the house. Coming in from the cold to talk some Notre Dame football on this Thursday evening. If you really want to get cold, you could come with me to the Compton tomorrow for a little hockey. It'll be nice and brisk in there for you. You can get a lot of work done. Do you still have those Yankee Stadium gloves with the fingers cut out? Those would come in handy. (laughs) I do not. I went through my glove hat box, scarf box the other day looking for a scarf, and those were not in there. There were some mismatched gloves, though. There always are. Yeah. There always are. Hey, a scarf comes in handy this time of the year. And I am a seven-time Darren Pritchett admirer. Oh, really? Yeah. I am honored, (laughs) to say the least. I don't think it gets you anything, but it's good to have you back in studio here for the next hour on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. The entire show, of course, runs until 7 o'clock tonight. Here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And we've got some Notre Dame football conversation to get to in the first hour of the program, including the early enrollees are in town. So who are the five early enrollees that Eric believes could have the biggest impact on the Irish in 2024? Was this a difficult list to put together? No, because there are so many of the early guys that are at developmental positions or positions that are pretty stacked with returnees. Some of the June enrollees would have been interesting to have on this list. For example, Bronte Johnson at safety. Okay. Um, That's a guy that to me is super intriguing. 
Garby Lambert is the best oh. of the offensive linemen. He's coming in June. So guys like that. So it made it a little bit easier uh, because of the positions of need and so forth. Okay, so we'll get to that coming up here in just a second. We've got our InsideIndieSports.com chat recap. The chat featuring Eric was yesterday at noon. We have put together a list of questions from that chat, and we will test Eric to see if his answers are the same as the ones given yesterday. Also, we've got our SportsBeat InsideIndieSports.com Twitter question of the day results from yesterday, which were quite interesting. And basically, which of Sam Hartman's passing stats from last year will Riley Leonard have the best chance to beat this year? And the vote was very, very close. A lot of different opinions. And the great part about this question, I'll tell you right now, some people wrote some thoughts, and I got everything from he will pass none of those to he'll pass all of them. Eric, that's why I'm talking about the thought of who Riley Leonard did is all over the place. I think everybody knew who Sam Hartman was. I think there was the fan base were in the same ballpark knowing who he was, but the expectation or who Riley Leonard is, it is all over the place. Do you see that too on message boards on InsideIndieSports.com as I, people talk about him? I do because, and some of it is the that Sam Hartman didn't deliver the story. He didn't deliver the fairy tale. And that colors how people look at Riley Leonard. And even Ryan Harris mentioned that, that Riley Leonard's going to have to kind of overcome that perception that a transfer quarterback isn't the, you know, necessarily the answer to your dreams. And at other schools, they would beg to differ. I think, again, as we talked about yesterday, and you can read Eric's really interesting article at InsideIndieSports.com, based on Michigan winning the title this year and how they did it, how does that kind of look forward to what Notre Dame might be able to do? I mean, J.J. McCarthy is more than a game manager, but at times with the defense that they had, the running game, he just took care of the football. Eric, he completed a lot of passes, Not didn't have to be a 60-yard pass play. He just, I guess, methodically worked the ball down the field with the passing attack. And as you documented yesterday a little bit, that's who Riley Leonard needs to be. He just needs to handle the passing duties. He doesn't have to be Johnny Manziel, doesn't have to be Joe Burrow. He just needs to be a better Riley Leonard throwing the football than what we saw at Duke. If he does that, if he's a more consistent throw of the football, this offense could be spectacular in its own way. Right, and the article that we referenced yesterday has now been published. I published it on the free side of the paywall. If you want to take a look at it, this is the kind of work that you'll get from us. But we talked about it pretty much in depth yesterday, and you can, if you want even more depth, you can read it today. I highly encourage it. Thanks. While you're listening to the show, read the article. <laughs> All right. So we've got that coming up. In the 6 o'clock hour, I've got a brand-new feature that I'm going to try out tonight, and it's called Who Do I Trust More? Okay? okay. So I've got six different combinations of questions and let me give you an example okay who do i trust more jim harbaugh to be the head football coach at michigan in 2024 or Jawan howard being the michigan basketball coach in 2024 they could be gone for different reasons so the trust factor is you're making a prediction yes okay yes gotcha another one is who 
do I trust more to establish and maintain a program, Mike Woodson or Micah Shrewsbury? Okay. So we'll get into that in the 6 o'clock hour. And we've got some Big Ten basketball thoughts. And by the way, by the way, for all the people that made fun of the Big Ten West all these years, you know how the Big Ten West was the laughing stock of college football? Yes. Big Ten basketball standings. The top four, Wisconsin, Purdue, Northwestern, Illinois. Take that, Big Ten East. You got nothing on us now. <laughs> okay. What about the legends and the leaders? Oh, gosh. Was that the worst idea of all time? Holy Toledo. That was not a good idea. All right. Here we go with our hat trick of opening topics. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And we begin with question number one. We are going to have Eric put together a top five list from the list of Notre Dame early enrollee players who will be a part of spring practice. So, which five are most likely to impact the 2024 Irish the most? We are not picking the five best players. Right. We are picking the five that will impact the team the most and who's on the depth chart at various positions probably has a lot to do with the five guys that made the list. Right. So 15 out of the 23 freshmen are in school this semester, nine on offense, six on defense. And for number five, I went with running back Kedron Young, one of the two running backs that are early enrollees, Aeneas Williams being the other one. Why I picked Kedron was he is the one who most has an Audric Estime-type skill set in terms of power at a young age and and maybe can fill that role of third and one, fourth and one. I know they like to use Jabron Payne on third down. I think Kedron Young can be that power back when they need it. Okay, number four. Number four, I went with another guy with the last name. Everybody will have the last name of Young, um, Bryce Young. And he is the son of Bryant Young. Bryce was a guy that when Notre Dame offered him, he was not very high on most recruiting service lists as far, and he had a phenomenal year and really climbed. And he looks every bit the part of, oh, boy, this best football still ahead of him. He's a six foot five field end, so he's at a position where Notre Dame doesn't have a lot of absolutes. They have RJ Oban coming in at the field end, the Duke transfer replacing Javon Jean Baptiste. Uh, but there are a lot of then, okay, kind of interesting options over there. He's a guy who's physically mature enough to compete for reps in the spring and maybe make a Enough of an impression that he gets in the rotation. With his body type, if down the road Notre Dame would need help inside, would he be able to do that? Or is he mainly an outside guy? No, I mean, he could grow into that. Okay. Yeah, we we do believe that that's could be his future position. Same with um, Christopher Burgess Jr., the kid from Simeon that committed highly tied, top 100 guy from Chicago Simeon. He's another guy that may grow into being an inside guy, kind of like Riley Mills. I mean, Riley Mills was a high school defensive end. 
Okay, we're going through the early enrollees for the Fighting Irish and which five are most likely to impact this year's team the most. Again, this is not the best five players. It's looking at the depth chart. Who might be able to crack it? So we go to number three. I'm going to put Micah Gilbert here. Micah is from <laughs> Bryce Young's high school in Charlotte. So they were teammates. Um, Micah plays wide receiver, and he had a phenomenal year in that he really outperformed his ranking. I think he's moved up some because of it. But you hear from national recruiting analysts, Tom Lemming, you know, Tom Lemming had him in the um, all-star game that was in um, Frisco, Texas, the U.S. Army game, which is different than the one in San Antonio, used to be the same. And he said, wow, Bodie Cahoon, the linebacker, and Micah Gilbert really surprised all of us. And he's at a position – they're going to look at him probably at both outside receiver positions with um, Bo Collins not being in spring practice at the, at the boundary and then the field being wide open. He certainly gets a look in the spring. Okay, let's move along to choice number two. With number two, I'm going with Kingston Viliamu Asa. And – there are a lot of variables here, but one is that he's just too good not to have him on the field. <laughs> now, how much does he get on the field? Is he a starter? Is he a rotational player? He's going to be in the mix to start at middle linebacker. Uh, he could also play the will linebacker, I think. Jack Kaiser, Jalen Sneed make a little bit more sense at that position, so he would be competing with Drake Bowen. And Drake Bowen you know, may have to decide how, how much is baseball taking away or can I really do this? Yeah. Last year he went into it thinking, I'm going to play, you know, before spring football starts, after spring football starts. He didn't play in a game last year. So he's a very good baseball prospect, but Kingston Villiamo Asa isn't playing baseball, and it's going to be really interesting. I think both those guys will play. I like them both a lot. Uh, but Kingston is going to be in the mix. What is it about KVA's skill set that really stands out to you? He kind of delivers, I mean, there's there's Manti Teo-esque traits in terms of instincts and impact, uh, meaning impact hitting people, not just figurative <laughs> impact. Um, and then what he combines it with is Pashra skills, coverage skills, just a lot more speed. Now, Manti was a 255-pound linebacker when he showed up here. Mm. Linebackers now tend to be more in the 230s at their max weight, and that's where Kingston is. Just his instincts are uncanny, and, and he's played against such good competition for so long out at Bosco in California that, you know, this isn't going to be a huge culture shock in terms of speed and skill step up for him, especially having the spring. If KVA showed up last year, would we be having the same conversation about him impacting the roster? I think that tells you maybe how good he is if he might have pushed some guys last year. I think he would have – this version of him, not the junior version yes, of him. Yes, yes, yes. I think he would have pushed Marist. Okay. Yeah, Leofau. 
that puts a little more into perspective yeah. of why he's on the list. Right. I All think right. J.D. Bertrand was too much to give up everything he did in terms of calls and all that kind of stuff. But you got Jack Kaiser that can do that, and KBA can just go play. Okay, so of the early enrollees of the Fighting Irish, which five have the best chance to impact this 2024 Fighting Irish football team? We've got running back Kedron Young at five, Bryce Young, the defensive lineman, four, wide receiver Micah Gilbert at three, again, outside wide receiver, and that is... Those are spots that are wide open at this time. Number two, KVA at linebacker. I thought he might be number one. Who is number one? I went with Cam Williams here. The oh, yeah. field wide receiver position is wide open. So you probably your three candidates that you're looking there are Chris Mitchell, the transfer from Florida International, and then the two freshmen, two of the freshmen. One of them is out in Hawaii playing in the Polynesian Bowl mm -hmm. this weekend, and he's going to be a junior enrollee. Logan Saldate and probably a slot guy. So these two guys on the outside, Cam Williams gives you size at 6'3". He gives you elite speed. Micah Gilbert doesn't give you the elite speed. Good okay. speed, Cam Williams is a burner. And so – with that kind of speed, I think it's going to come down to Chris Mitchell and Cam Williams. Now, the thing that Micah is, he's a refined route runner. That that gives you some extra burst sometimes, but I really think it'll come down to those other two. Okay. Cam Williams has been talked about for a long time by Irish fans. I think sometimes when a kid comes from Chicago and he's so close, you – well, he's not from Florida or Georgia, <laughs> yeah. so they didn't get him out of the SEC country, so how good could he be? But there's some really good players in Chicago, and you just don't don't take for granted how good these guys can be. Outside of Joliet and Edwardsville, there probably aren't too many places in Illinois south of Chicago that you want players yeah, to come from. I mean, from. He's, a, he's a legit <laughs> track guy. He does the sprints. He's one of the best long jumpers in Illinois. So he's got the track training, too, for the speed. Okay, so there you go. Young, Young, Gilbert, KVA, and Williams are the big five of early enrollees that could impact the Irish in 2024. Let me ask you just a follow-up question. Sure. Throw away depth charts for this year, okay? okay? Doesn't matter. Of the 15 early enrollees, who do you believe at the end of the day, at the end of their career, will be the best? The very best player on this list. Yes. I know. You it's do tough. know? No, it's tough. Oh. Okay, I'm going to – this doesn't sound like I'm going out on a limb, but I kind of am. C.J. Carr. Oh, okay. But I hmm. think all the other guys that I mentioned – could KVA, I'm probably going to kick myself for saying that, but I wanted to be dramatic. I, I do think CJ Carr could be very, very good. I wasn't expecting that. Not that you were saying a wrong answer. I just thought it might be KVA or Williams, one of those two. And I, I guess in the back of my mind. The KVA is the safe choice because yeah. I just I don't see that getting messed up. I, I sh probably should have said that, but. I think C.J. Carr, because he committed so early, if he had committed like right before signing day, people would be having 
parties at you know Chuck E. Cheese for over <laughs> this with whether they had kids or not. They would eat that. Yeah. That, eh, they eh. would eat that. Uh, We're I, bringing them Barnabys they're, while they're, they're sitting they're, there. Yeah, they're not. Well, you know what's funny was, a uh, real quick story, okay. my oldest grandson, who's about to turn 15, when he was a little kid, we said, well, we're going to take you to Chuck E. Cheese for our your birthday. And he's like, Grandpa, could here's a good idea. How about if we go to Barnaby's first, and then we'll go to Chuck E. Cheese and do the games? Smart kid. Yeah. That's brilliant. I hope Chuck E. Cheese isn't a sponsor. I have a But Barnaby's is, so they're very happy that that you came up with that suggestion. And if you'd like to try out the— we did do that. Well, I was going to say, if you'd like to try out the Hanson special, I'll give you Eric's cell phone number. We'll put it on Twitter. (laughs) You can call him how to pull this off. (laughs) All right, let's go to question number two in our opening topics. Which 2023 Notre Dame football starter will be the most difficult to replace— this year, I think the offense probably is going to be easy. Your choice would be for me, the offense is easy. It's uh, Joe, Joe Alt. Yep, yeah, okay. Defensively, there's not a lot of defensive starters Mm-mm. lost, so you're looking at the two of the linebackers, you're looking at JJB at defensive end. That's my choice, and and DJ Brown at safety, and then Cam Hart at corner. Yeah. You could yeah. you could make a case for Cam because of his unique skill set being six three, but, but Notre Dame has such good cornerbacks coming behind him. That's why I went with Baptiste. Yeah, J D Bertrand. They will miss all the things that he did in terms of leadership, getting people on, you know, setting the template yep. and everything. But you do have a Jack Kaiser to take over those leadership things and bring those young guys along and the. Younger linebackers are better athletes, and and J.D. Bertrand would be the first one to admit that. Bowen and and KBA are better athletes. J.J.B., there's just so many unknowns at that field end spot, and he came on. If we just did the first half of the season, we wouldn't say that. But the second half, he just jumped off the tape. Yeah, and, and that's one of the reasons why I'm singing out Washington's praises because that was that was a really good job on his part to bring him along. All right. Let's go to our third hat trick of opening topics for tonight. Eric Hansen from InsideIndieSports.com. I'm Darren Pritchett. Notre Dame women's basketball at Virginia tonight at 7. Hear the game on Live 99.9. Eric, you follow the Irish women's basketball team. They're only 3-2 and two in the ACC. They're taking on an 0-5 Virginia team, so it looks like a very winnable game. What's kind of the state of the Irish right now? They are kind of redefining themselves, refining their chemistry. They missed uh, Maddie Westbeld for a game and part of another game with a concussion. She's back, uh, but she's wearing a protective mask now uh, for a blow to the face hmm. um, and then you missed Sonia Citron for seven and a half weeks she's playing with a sleeve on her right leg that's the size of a small country um, <laughs> and she's getting reintegrated back into their rotation and stuff there um, you know her first game back she played 37 minutes uh, she is still kind of finding her rhythm and Westbelt had a great game her first game back 
from the concussion. Really struggled shooting from the field in the second, but did a lot of other things really well. So they're just kind of trying to find themselves because it's a really different dynamic when you have Citron on the floor as much as she is. And you don't know if you're going to get the other pieces back anytime soon. And then if then that would affect the chemistry, if you added Olivia Miles back in, if you added uh, Cass Prosper back in, I, I think those are the most consequential of the ones that are sitting out right now. That would change the, the chemistry of this team. The good thing about it is they're playing two teams this week on the road that haven't won a game in the ACC so you have some margin for error in trying to fit these pieces back in and, and find your rhythm because the schedule gets a lot harder right at the end of the month. They have UConn on the road. They have all the heavyweights in the ACC toward the end of the schedule. So this is a good time to kind of find yourself. There are already two games behind the leader in the ACC in the loss column. And we're only right. five games into the conference season. Louisville right now on top at 5-0. The Irish are 3-2. and two. And at this point, whatever you get out of Olivia Miles is a bonus at this point. I don't think anything is written in stone. If you get six, seven games out of her, I think you accept it as a win at this particular moment. All right, again, Irish women's basketball on Live 99.9 tonight. 7 o'clock tip from Charlottesville. 645 pregame. We will recap Eric's Notre Dame football chat at InsideIndieSports.com next on WSBT. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. What's the score? Nothing, nothing. Who's winning? The Bears. Co-hosting this hour is the publisher of InsideNDSports.com, Eric Hansen. He bad at catch clay. He bad at sugar ray. He bad at now. Who that you? The new boy has Mike Mike Tyson. Look like a bulldog. He bad at him too. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. I don't know who that is. at WSBT. If you are tuning in on the Twitch app, watching us in studio, Eric on the right, I'm on the left, and our Twitter accounts are right there. If you want to just say hello, friends, we are more than willing to say hello back on our respective Twitter accounts. 960 Sportsbeat for me, Eric is E. Hansen, ND. All right. Let's get to Eric's InsideIndieSports.com chat recap. Eric met with Irish fans Wednesday at noon at InsideIndieSports.com, took their questions. I have grabbed a few, and away we go. Marie from Atlanta. Eric, which five players do you think it is most important to have a breakthrough this spring in order for Notre Dame to truly compete for a championship next year? So we're looking for five guys that need to have a major breakthrough. So mm. I'll start with number one instead of number five. We'll do it. Count them up. Okay. Number one, Riley Leonard. And that's assuming he wins the uh, quarterback job and he would have to have a breakthrough spring to win the quarterback job. And I believe that he will. So the quarterback, when you look at where Notre Dame was most removed from being a playoff team in their big games – 
it was the quarterback play, regardless of whose fault it was, it was the quarterback play in the statistics that separated them. I mean, it wasn't just a dip in statistics. It sure. was a crater. Okay, so Riley Leonard is the guy more than anybody else that needs to have a breakthrough this spring. Number two, I went with Chris Mitchell, the transfer from Florida International. That gives you some speed on the outside. When you think about Mike Denbrock offenses, the ones that were really good when he was a play caller, Will Fuller was that receiver in 2015. Kevin Stefferson, when he was behaving himself, was that receiver in 2016. <laughs> um, but they need that speed guy on the outside. It really opens up the rest of the offense for him. It also gives Kim Williams and Micah Gilbert a chance to kind of move along at their own pace, kind of like Rico Flores did this year. He wasn't out of the gate crazy good, but as the season went on, he became pretty good as a freshman. Okay, number three. Now you're going to start hitting the theme of these three, four, and five. Emil Wagner, I'm going to go as number three. He needs to be a starting tackle, and I think he has a chance to be your starting left tackle, but he may be right tackle, but he needs to be on that offensive line. He was the lightest offensive lineman on the roster this year at 288 pounds. He is also one of the most, if not the most, athletic linemen on the roster. And when he gets a three as the start of his uh, weight and it's good weight, Emil Wagner's going to be a handful. Okay, number four. Charles Jagaza, who started at left tackle in the bowl game, either left or right tackle for me, for him. Um, really, really promising prospect. But Notre Dame's offensive line has got to be good this year and consistent this year because that also hurt them in some of those big games. Again, I don't throw all the throw all on the offensive line. There were all kinds of things going on, and I think you didn't have an offensive coordinator that was a fixer, but the offensive line can't be below average or even average. I mean, Charles went from having five snaps all year to playing in the Sun Bowl. A full game. Yeah, so your colleague Tyler James, who does a great job of breaking down offensive line play, was kind of an up-and-down day for Charles in that game yeah. against Oregon State. And yet, given how little he had played, I thought exactly. it was really encouraging. I know Ryan Harris is ready to anoint him, and Ryan Harris knows what a really sure. good left tackle, young left tackle should look like because he used to be one. And number five? Number five is Ashton Craig. And I'm not even sure Ashton is going to – none of these guys are guaranteed to be a starter mm -hmm. at three, four, and five, but I think they need to be. I think Ashton showed enough – Acumen. I mean, he didn't have any penalties when he stepped in for Zeke Carell. He played at a higher level than Zeke Carell. And I think they need a strong presence in the middle of that interior offensive line. And I think Ashton could be that guy. And, you know, three-star recruit. But you know what? There's a lot of guys playing in the NFL that are first-round draft choices that were three- or two-star offensive linemen that – developed and I think Ashton has that chance I'm going to test your memory was Jeff Fain one of those highly ranked offensive linemen he coming to was. Notre Dame okay he, he was. was yeah he was out of Orlando area yep and he lived up to those stars he absolutely lived up to especially those stars. after the whistle <laughs> yes 
Jeff Bain, absolutely. He would finish that pancake, man. If it was three seconds after the whistle, he was going to complete the task. First-round draft choice. But, I mean, even a guy like Mike McGlinchey was a four-star, but he wasn't a top 250 player. Hmm. Ronnie Stanley was number 176, ends up being a top 10 player in the draft. So, uh, But Nick Martin was a three-star player in the second-round draft choice. Zach Martin wasn't a top 250 player and ends up being – he's going to be an NFL Hall of Famer and was a four-year starter at left tackle for Notre Dame. This next one I think is an important question because I'm waiting to see how this all pans out. Bob from Oxnard, California, who will start at nickel against Texas A&M? I think the most likely at this point is Jordan Clark. Uh, he's the transfer from Arizona State. They went out and got Jordan Clark for this yeah. role. You also have some flexibility. Jordan Clark could possibly be a regular safety, and you could play Rod Hurd the second there. Rod Hurd the second was really good as a nickel for Northwestern. Um, Clarence Lewis played some nickel, uh, and then Micah Bell is a guy that they're trying to bring along there, and you could always take a look at Christian Gray or Jaden Mickey there. I think they're happy having those guys compete for a starting spot next to um, Ben Morrison. But um, I think you've got some good candidates there. But Jordan Clark, to me, he's in spring football, so I think he gets a little bit of a leg up on Rod Hurd. Okay, Scott from Augusta, Georgia, wrote to Eric in his inside IndieSports.com chat yesterday. My question is, Mike Denbrock, where do you see him mostly engaged as he begins his time as offensive coordinator? Will he need to spend time with Rudolph working on the line? It looks like we have the weapons on offense, but I'm concerned the line may be a gaping hole. So when you look at what this team needs the most, and here's here's where the luck of the draw or the brilliance of Marcus Freeman's make prioritizing Mike Denbrock you already have built-in chemistry with Mike Brown the receivers coach Gino Gadulli, the quarterbacks coach yep. that's going to be super helpful because they're going to be speaking the same language from day one as Mike Denbrock unlike last spring right unlike last spring that's really helpful but you think about the two areas and when we talked about breakthroughs and stuff like that the two areas that need most attention the two areas where Notre Dame was most separated from a playoff team, offensive line, hiccups, and quarterback play. I think Mike Denbrock will be involved with all of it, but I think he's got to coach his position group tight ends too, but I think he'll spend a lot of time with offensive line and a lot of time with the quarterback. You need that kind of rapport as the offensive play caller with the quarterback. Next question, very interesting from Ed, who is in Sayville, New York, as college football continues to evolve, what issue do you foresee that could keep new AD Pete Bavacqua from getting a full night's sleep? I would say there's two. Um, One is if the ACC were to completely implode. Definitely. Then you have to find a spot for – all your basketball teams and Olympic sports teams, other than hockey. We're good, Eric. We're good in the Big Ten. Uh, yeah, Thank okay, you. Appreciate okay. it. <laughs> and you may have to join a conference full-time to be able to do that. There may not be somebody that's willing to take you. I can make a call to the Big Ten if you need any help. 
The second thing I think is if the student athlete model or the amateur model evolved to a point where it became in direct conflict with Notre Dame's academic yep. mission. Good point. Um, where they just said, we're out, we're not doing this, or we're not willing to make that kind of commitment. Now, so far, Notre Dame has given Marcus Freeman what they've wanted, and they've been able to do it within the parameters of their mission. Mm -hmm. But, well, I'll tell you, it's a changing picture every day, and so we'll have to see where that goes. All right, we've got Don from Cincinnati. Eric, do you think Mike Mickens will apply for the defensive coordinator position at Cincinnati? And if he were to land it, do you think it would be it would have a trickling effect on the Notre Dame roster? Or do you think he sits tight and waits to see what happens with Coach Golden? Hmm. So I think the genesis of this, this is what I want to address here quickly, and then I'll let me answer his question first. Okay. I don't think he will end up as the defensive coordinator at Cincinnati. Okay. I think he eventually could be the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. I also think he keeps positioning himself for better and better jobs. I'm not sure that Cincinnati is as good of a job as it was, even though that they're now in a power four conference, power five or four Isn't conference. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah, power four conference, I need to say. They're in the Big 12. I don't think it's as solid of a job as when Luke Fickle was the, your head coach. Uh, but what happens with these things, and I know what the genesis of this was, somebody that I call them parasites. I mean, it's an aggregator site where they just take things they hear and so forth and they – Throw it against the wall. Throw it against the <laughs> wall. And I think, I think that's okay to do that, but present it as it. You know, there's times with these coaching search stories where somebody's just trying to take, here's what's logical. Then you have no idea and you just guess. And then there's times where you vet things out. Like how we handled the offensive coordinator thing, I knew pretty early on that Mike Denbrock was going to be the number one choice. And I knew who their backup would go to, but the number one right away said, I'm willing to listen. That was on a Monday. By Thursday, Mike Denbrock knew what he was going to do. By Friday, Brian Kelly and the rest of the team knew what he yep. was going to do. So it went very fast. But, you know, just to throw names and then to, to, to present them as candidates, I think, is unfair. Get some guys raises, but I think it's unfair <laughs> yeah. uh, to present that. And then people get all wound up about it, and you have to talk to recruits and talk them off the ledge. Could it take a left turn and Mike Mickens do that? Yeah, but I don't, I don't think that that's going to happen. I, and, again, I don't have problems throwing it against the wall, but present it as such. Say, here are some names we're throwing against the wall, or here's what makes sense for Cincinnati to look at. Okay. Very well presented. Okay. We've got Patrick from Fort Wayne. Eric, I was under the impression that Antonio Carter was signed last year with the idea of being a strong candidate to play major minutes in 2024. What happened to his trajectory? And we'll follow that up by saying he is in the transfer portal. And, and has not come out the other side yet. He's one mm -hmm. of the couple of Notre Dame scholarship players that haven't come out the other side yet. I think a couple things. There were two big adjustments for Antonio and he was uh, this was a surprise to me this is where Eric bad you got that this one wrong I thought he would be able to make 
both these yeah. adjustments. Um, he did not adjust from the competition level from FCS to FBS, Rhode Island. He did not make the adjustment from being a corner to a safety. Those became too much for him to overcome, and he wasn't able to work his way. And, and honestly, had he stayed, he may have had a good chance, a fighting chance to progress and, and get over that hump and, and earn some playing time in a rotation. And he decided to jump in the portal, and his offers have not been impressive. They've been kind of mid-majory, low F FBS kind of offers. Mm. And so he probably would have benefited from staying at Notre Dame, but he took the plunge. And, I mean, last time, I mean, LSU, Notre Dame, Florida. I mean, he had a lot of big-time programs looking at him. And his film was good. But they're not calling back now. They are not calling back now. They're like, you don't have film. And you didn't make the adjustment. And why are you walking away from playing next to an All-American safety? Hmm. Great point. All right, one final question. Oh, my goodness. Jack from Strongsville, Ohio. Eric, where do you think Tommy Reese's future is going to be at? You know, I, for me, it's a guess because I do not have the bandwidth to chase where Tommy Reese's career trajectory. I understand why people are curious about it and why they would ask me about it but well you could throw some things against the wall right now well, <laughs> that's, that's what i i am presenting as such so i am throwing things against the wall i do think just from knowing tommy a little bit from his time at notre dame that he does have nfl aspirations mm -hmm. and i do think he is eyeing the nfl carousel right now and hoping to jump in there somewhere if not mm. i'm sure that somebody in college will hire him but again those Jobs are going away. Some people think he'll end up at LSU if he doesn't get the NFL, but I do think he's trying to get to the NFL. He did interview for the Arizona job, did not get that. The Arizona head coaching job hmm. after Jed Fish left. One thing, Tommy, remember this. All right, we'll see you in Columbia. Bring your Columbia jackets. It was a joke. <laughs> he's heard all those jokes. He's ready to go. <laughs> I, I've made it a – Groundhog Day resolution since I missed New Year's that I'm going to talk to Brian Kelly at some point in yes. the next month. Whether it's for a story or whether it's just shoot the breeze. Making fun of that Columbia Jackets line. Or you could just compare bank accounts for a couple of moments. Oh, that would be a short conversation, I think. <laughs> All right. You can read the entire transcript from Eric's chat at InsideIndieSports.com. It is always one of the more popular, if not the most popular hit on the Rivals Network when he hosts that chat every Wednesday at noon at InsideIndieSports.com. Twitter question of the day is next on WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett with the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, Eric Hansen. Our Twitter X question of the day can be found each weekday at 960-SPORTSBEAT. Yesterday's question, which of Sam Hartman's 2023 stats 
will most likely new Notre Dame quarterback Riley Leonard bypass in 2024? I mentioned earlier, some people wrote to me, he's not going to beat any of Hartman's numbers. Other people said he's going to beat them all. The opinions of Leonard are all over the place. So, Eric, here are the four choices. Hartman's 23 stats, 191 completions, 63.5% completion percentage, 2,689 passing yards, or 24 passing touchdowns, which is most likely the stat that Riley Leonard will bypass. And you voted for the 63.5% completion percentage, and you had a very good reason why. Because Notre Dame is going to need him to be that guy um, if they're going to be a playoff team. They're going; He's going to need to exceed that um, figure. The other thing that I'll say about that is when he was um, – his last full healthy year when he played in all the games for Duke, um, he was right about that 63.7%. So that is doable for him. And he exceeded some of those numbers. He had almost 3,000 yards. He was at 2967. He had 20 passing touchdowns. He had double-digit rushing touchdowns. What was the other one? Completions. Mm-hmm. 191, he was at 250. Okay. So those are all doable, but as much as he might run and so forth, again, I think the percentage one is doable, and it's the one that's most needed. And that's what's going to be emphasized. His last full healthy season, not the most difficult schedule for Duke. You look at the Irish schedule this year, not the most difficult schedule. Right. Okay, here are the results. Tight vote. So... Fourth place in the voting at 19.4% was the Sam Hartman completion total of 191, which is around 15 a game. Third place in the voting, getting 22.1% of the vote, your completion percentage number. I think if people heard your explanation, they might change their vote. Okay. I think you're right on the button. Second place in the voting at 25%. Those people believe that Leonard will bypass Sam Hartman's passing touchdown total of 24. And winning the vote, only 33%. So you could see a lot of votes going different directions. 33.5% believe that Riley Leonard will bypass Sam Hartman's passing yards total of 2,689. Interesting. It is very interesting. That's why I asked the question. It was one of the one of the hardest ones for me to come up with an answer. And I could see people saying all or none. I mean, I could see them thinking that. I like to ask these Leonard questions because this shows you, again, as I've said a million times, people are all over the place on their opinions on who this guy is. Right. Okay. We thank you for voting. Quite interesting. Our sports beat, InsideIndieSports.com, Twitter question of the day for today is a little more on the fun side. Okay. It's more fantasy football. If Notre Dame could start one of their two former running backs, who would you want as your number one guy? Kyron Williams or Audric Estime? I'm not saying in the NFL. I'm saying Notre Dame. If they can magically start one of the two, who would you start, Williams or Estime? 
when they were on the same roster, it was Williams, mm -hmm. uh, but they weren't at the same place in their career. So I'll say both after their junior or during their junior year. Okay. Boy, this one's hard. Cause yes, I it is. Love, love, love both of these guys. Have you had much of a chance to see Kyron in the NFL? I know you're so focused on Notre Dame and college football. I, Have you I, had the chance? Not live, but I'll go back oh, and watch stuff because I see the tweets about him. And I'm like, wow. And, and he's got to be loving it because I remember – he stole the Dora Explorer wig from his sister and because he wanted to be Steven Jackson and you know and the Rams were his team growing up so this is wonderful for him I would take Kyron and the reason being I think he has a wider skill set I think Audric is incredible but I think Kyron is a better receiver I think he's a better blitz pickup guy Audric may be a better running back running back but and they're both great leaders and yeah. i would love to live next door to both of them and even if they didn't have nfl money i'd love to live next door to them because they're so <laughs> cool i mean they're two of the most fun guys that i've ever interviewed but i will take kyron kyron is a guy that went into the draft process remember he wasn't fast enough the 40 time wasn't good enough yeah just shows you it's not always about the stopwatch. Same with Kyle Hamilton. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it, he is dominating. I mean, he's a guy that plays safety, plays corner, plays nickel. I mean, he can handle anything that he's yeah. asked to do. And in today's game, when you got a guy that can do that, invaluable. I mean, those are unicorns. Yep. And to do it at that level, all-pro safety Kyle Hamilton – might have a chance to go to the Super Bowl this year. Kyron's, one, Kyron's run against North Carolina oh. may be the single best run I've ever seen. That was awesome. No question. All right, so we'd love to get your opinion. Go to my Twitter X account at 960SportsBeat and vote on today's question. If Notre Dame could start one of their two former running backs, who do you want as your number one guy, Kyron Williams? Or Audric Estime. It's our Sports Feed Inside IndieSports.com Twitter question of the day. And now it's time to discover what you will find when you go to InsideIndieSports.com featuring my co host, Eric Hansen. Well, we had Robbie Toma on our podcast today, so you'll find that as the lead story. Um, and we talked to him about the Kia brothers about Hawaii recruiting, about his association with Mike Denbrock, the new offensive coordinator, his opinions on him. Lots of cool stuff. He caught up about Manti and also what Robbie's doing. Um, I have my analysis that we talked about. How valid is Michigan's 2023 title path for Notre Dame in 2024? We have where all the assistant coaches are and Marcus Freeman are recruiting this week the chat transcript, and much, much more. Including the message board. Including the message board where you can vent, you can espouse your opinion, and people will judge your opinion. And you can ask one of those or put together a paragraph with 50 questions in it that will not make the chat, but you can do it on the message board. That's true. I do try to answer it. We did get asked why we haven't interviewed the leprechaun. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Tyler answered. Tyler answered that. So. 
Okay. The 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 thought was that this person was a women's basketball fan and saw her dribbling the ball between her legs and found out that she had played in and I thought, I'll do a story on her if she can play post-defense for the Irish. <laughs> Very good. That and more coming up at InsideIndieSports.com. Eric, always good to be with you. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you next week. That sounds great. Thank you. Check out Eric at InsideIndieSports.com. My name is Darren Pritchett. Another hour of the program still to come. We'll make the debut of a brand-new segment, Who Do I Trust More? That's coming up after a sports update on WSBT South Bend. Dame football coverage continues now. Intercepted at the 25, 20, near sideline, 10, 5, near the goal line is Xavier Watts. Let's go! On Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Intercepted, Benjamin Morrison, midfield, leaped high for it, fell over backwards, but he did secure the ball. Ball's out. Bubbled, picked up by Xavier Watts on the 10, runs it in for the score. From Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Intercepted. Picked off a one-handed effort by Christian Gray. Intercepted. This will be a pick six. Jade Mickey near sideline. 20-10. Touchdown, Fighting Irish. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960. WSBT brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations, serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Midland Engineering Company. Beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. And by the Mishawaka Education Foundation. Granting a better future. I'm Darren Pritchett. It is 19 minutes after 6 o'clock on this Thursday evening. And we're going to debut a brand new segment tonight. It's called, Who Do I Trust More? Basically, we come up with two answers to the question. We have to decide, who do you trust more in the conversation? So, let's get started. We've got six different, who do I trust mores to get to tonight. And we'll start with a college basketball question. Let's begin with this. Who do I trust more to establish and maintain a college basketball program? Indiana basketball coach Mike Woodson or Notre Dame basketball coach Micah Shrewsbury? Well, Mike Woodson's been at his alma mater, led them to -to back-to-back NCAA tournament appearances, entered this year 44 and 26. He's done a nice job of stabilizing the program. You could say it's taken a move forward under his helm. I wouldn't say they have taken a major jump. They're nowhere near the program they were 25, 30 years ago. But 
it looks like he's the guy that's going to consistently put a good product on the floor compared to the last couple of coaches where it was like a roller coaster ride. Maybe Mike can establish this program as a consistent 20-win team and making the NCAA tournament. But I'm going to go with Micah Shrewsbury. I believe in him more to establish and maintain a program. He has done it at the lower levels. He has worked his way up. He has not gotten to this point with a, a silver spoon in his mouth. He has earned this opportunity that he had at Penn State and now Notre Dame. In a short amount of time, he got Penn State to the NCAA tournament. That is a program with very little basketball tradition. And Micah got him to the dance. You're already seeing the culture he's creating at Notre Dame. Forget about the results right now. Yeah, at the end of the day, the results matter. But you got to look through the weeds a little bit to see what's established. You are already seeing the imprint of Micah Shrewsbury on this basketball program. You better be willing to play defense or you're not going to be a major factor on this team or you may not stick around. It has been put into the DNA of these players since he arrived that they are going to be a lunch pail, hardworking, grinding defensive basketball team. And they have held some really good offensive teams well under their scoring averages recently, including that high-powered Duke Blue Devil basketball team. They were 20 points under their normal average. Is the offense there yet? Absolutely not. The offense has a good ways to go. But I love the fact that you're a defensive-minded team from the get-go. Defense can go on the road and have great performances. Defenses can win those tough games in the NCAA tournament. So I'm really excited the blueprint that Micah Shrewsbury has put on this Notre Dame basketball program. Indiana is still kind of a team. Do we know who they are year in and year out? Notre Dame, I think you're going to know who they are. And once they get a little more offense into this program, hopefully the defense won't take a major step back. I love what Micah Shrewsbury is constructing, and it is something that can be maintained here at the University of Notre Dame. So our first, who do I trust more to establish and maintain a program? I'll go Shrewsbury over Woodson. Up next, from the National Football League, who do I trust more in this weekend's playoff action? Lions quarterback Jared Goff or Packers quarterback Jordan Love? Statistically, it is hard to find anybody in the National Football League right now any better than Packers quarterback Jordan Love. He's been magnificent lately, and look what he did down in Big D against the Cowboys. He destroyed that secondary. Packers going out to San Francisco, not going to be an easy challenge. But Love probably is going to have another pretty solid performance. But Jared Goff is at home for Detroit, taking on Tampa Bay. I'm going to go with Jared Goff over Jordan Love this weekend because Goff has a much easier opponent. He's taken on the Buccaneers. Love is taking on the 49ers. 
Goff is playing at home, and his numbers and his efficiency so much better at Ford Field comparing to going on the road. So I think Jared Goff coming off a terrific performance in a game he was probably extra hyped up for playing his old team, the L.A. Rams. The Buccaneers' defense is going to be a slightly step back from what he saw from the Rams. So I'm going to say, who do I trust more this weekend in the playoff game? I'm going to go with Lions quarterback Jared Goff over Packers quarterback Jordan Love. Next up, and who do I trust more? Who do I trust more to make the Super Bowl? The AFC number one seeded Baltimore Ravens or the NFC top seeded San Francisco 49ers. Now the Ravens beat the 49ers head-to-head out in San Francisco. That might have been on Christmas Day. It was right around the holidays. Ravens put together just a dominating performance, but they would not meet until the Super Bowl. So that doesn't mean they are the team I trust more to make the Super Bowl out of the number one seeds. I trust the San Francisco 49ers more to make the Super Bowl compared to the Baltimore Ravens. I think the 49ers are in a spot where the teams left on their side of the bracket in their conference, they don't necessarily have top to bottom the best quarterbacks. Now, I just mentioned Jordan Love has been spectacular. So I don't want to diminish what he has done. But you got Goff, Love, and Mayfield. You look at the AFC, C.J. Stroud's a rookie, but he's been phenomenal. That's Baltimore's opponent. Then you got Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes in the other AFC divisional round matchup. So I think the better teams are in the AFC. The better quarterback depth is in the AFC. And it's not like the 49ers are chopped liver themselves. I just think in this spot, who do I trust more to make the Super Bowl out of the number one seeds? I'll go 49ers over the Ravens and I will say in my preseason, or I should say pre-playoff Super Bowl pick, I went Bills defeating the 49ers in the Super Bowl. So I'm sticking with the 49ers, the team I trust more, to make the Super Bowl over the Ravens. Up next, who do I trust more to turn around their franchise the fastest? The Chicago Blackhawks or the Chicago Bulls? I'm going to go Chicago Blackhawks. There could be several reasons why, but let's just keep this simple. The Chicago Bulls have been in this same spot for, it seems like, over a decade. Kind of hanging around the 500 mark, never outstanding, never awful, just stuck in the middle. Now, the Bulls should be able to turn around their franchise quicker because if you think about it, in basketball, if you've got – a really, really good 8-9 man rotation, you're set. You don't need all 15 of your players to be off the chart outstanding. You're focused on getting your top 8 or 9 players. In hockey, you've got four forward lines of three, so you've got 12 players there. You've got six defensemen is 18, and your goaltenders. Now, your main focus is your top six forwards and your top four defensemen. So you look at it that way. You're talking about six forwards, four defensemen, ten skaters. You get those players that are high-level players. You kind of fill in the gaps with your bottom three forwards and your bottom defense pair. You're seeing a lot now in the NHL 
Kids coming from college hockey, well-developed, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but they're a cheaper option to fill in the back end of your lineup so you can spend more on your top six forwards and your top four defensemen. So you pay a little more to get those high-level players in those spots, then you fill the gaps in on the back end of your roster with solid, capable, run-your-system players that may not be electrifying but do a really good job in the construction of your plan. So the Bulls should have the advantage in less players to form a championship-level team, but the Blackhawks have Connor Bedard, even though the rookie is out right now. The kid is phenomenal. They've got a lot of draft capital, young players in their system. A kid like Landon Slaggart for Notre Dame is senior year. 15 goals for the Irish. He's a third-round pick of the Blackhawks a couple of years ago. Hopefully he's part of the equation as well. But in terms of recent history, who could turn around the franchise quicker? The Hawks had those three titles last decade. The Bulls have been waiting a long, long time. So who do I trust more to turn around the franchise first? I'm going to go Blackhawks over the Bulls. This next one's kind of complicated. Who do I trust more to be at Michigan in 2024? Head football coach Jim Harbaugh or men's basketball coach Jawan Howard? Let's break this down. If you're a football fan, you know Jim Harbaugh just won the national championship at his alma mater under a lot of scrutiny the last couple of years from the NCAA. We're hearing that he is in line to get paid handsomely to go back to the National Football League where he led the 49ers to the Super Bowl, losing to his brother John and the Ravens. Down in New Orleans, the game, they got halted due to the power outage in that contest. So Harbaugh is being sought after in the NFL. There were reports that this contract extension he's trying to get from Michigan that he's trying to put in some parameters that if the NCAA would find him guilty of some stuff, he wants off the hook. Then you got Jawan Howard. He took over for one of my favorite coaches, John Beeline. Always respected the coaching job that Beeline did at Michigan after leaving West Virginia for Ann Arbor. He had some terrific teams that were well-coached, fundamentally sound, could score the basketball. There was just a great culture at Michigan. Jawan Howard arrives, and you've had Jawan Howard trying to start fights with coaches in handshake lines. A basketball team the last couple of years that has not been fundamentally sound. They have not played well together. And I'm saying this knocking on wood since Illinois plays Michigan tonight. I don't want to talk this into existence. But Michigan just has not been anywhere close to the program it was when Beeline handed the keys to the car over to Howard. So Harbaugh could leave on his own. Howard could get canned. Who do I trust more to be in Ann Arbor next year? What's choice C? In my heart of hearts, I don't know if either one's going to be there. I think Harbaugh goes to the NFL. And I can't imagine Michigan's going to stick with the current state of Michigan basketball 
the only thing that might be the difference maker for Howard, he's a Michigan man on paper. So I think Harbaugh goes to the NFL, so that leaves me with who do I trust more? I guess I would trust Howard would be in Ann Arbor next year compared to Harbaugh, but I think I would take the other choice. Both would not be there. And finally, who do I trust more as we look at the Dallas Cowboys and another disappointing postseason? They're now 1-3 in in the last three postseasons. So, who do I trust more? Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy or Cowboys owner Jerry Jones? First take four Excedrins before you start thinking about this. This one's going to be painful. All right, so where do we start? We start with McCarthy, who won a Super Bowl with Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers was his quarterback, won that Super Bowl over the Steelers. I think it was in Big D, as a matter of fact. Now with Dallas, 12-win regular seasons are the norm, but can't get it done in the postseason. Got destroyed by the Packers down in Dallas. The Packers now have more postseason victories at AT AT&T Stadium than the Dallas Cowboys do. How is that possible? McCarthy, does he have some time management problems from time to time? Yes. Has the team failed in the postseason? Yes. You look at the other option. Owner Jerry Jones who won those three Super Bowl titles in the early 90s, working with Jimmy Johnson for two of those. Barry Switzer won the third. Jerry Jones has has always had his hand in on control of the roster. And many Cowboy fans will tell you that's the biggest problem, that Jerry Jones is too involved in the everyday process of this franchise. Cowboys won Super Bowls, you could argue, because of that Herschel Walker trade. That really set them up when they shipped Walker to the Vikings for all that draft capital that turned into some great drafting by the Cowboys. So who do I trust more, even though McCarthy has had his failures? Jerry Jones has watched this franchise not make an NFC championship since 1995. Yet they're the front lead story on every NFL storyline. I think only two teams have gone longer in making the conference championship game, and Detroit is one of them, and they can be knocked off the list if they beat Tampa Bay on Sunday, and the Cowboys would be second on the list. So to me, Jerry Jones and his handling of the roster is a major problem. So even though I don't have a lot of trust in McCarthy, in this spot I trust McCarthy over jerry jones so there you go who do i trust more the debut edition of this segment here on budweiser's weekday sports beat hope you enjoyed it that was fun enjoyed that conversation we'll try it again next week 636 is our time darren pritchett with you we'll take a time out a quick look at the big 10 basketball race is coming up next on your home of the irish sports radio 960 wsbt Listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. 
643 at WSBT. Quick segment. Let's check out what's happening in the Big Ten basketball race. Bit of a surprise atop the standings, the Wisconsin Badgers. The Badgers sit at 5-1. They were undefeated until getting knocked off by Penn State a couple of nights ago. They've got a three-headed monster on offense right now. A.J. Storr, Stephen Crawl, Tyler Wall, all averaging over 10 points per game. Badgers still have not run into the old Purdue Boilermakers yet. That's very important to talk about. Wisconsin up next. They host Indiana, and the Indiana Ball Club has not had a lot of success at the Kohl Center through the years. Purdue just looming right now. The Boilermakers... Lost a couple of games in the Big Ten already to Northwestern and Nebraska on the road, but the Boilermakers still within striking distance. They're now 5-2, and two, and they'll play in Iowa City against Iowa next. Northwestern sits in third at 4-2. and two. They scraped by Maryland in Evanston last night. They've got a road date against Nebraska next. Then you've got Illinois at 3-2. and two. They're at Michigan tonight playing without their leading scorer, Terrence Shannon Jr., and Indiana sits in fifth at four and three with Iowa and Minnesota at three and three. Iowa's got Purdue. Minnesota is at Michigan State. So that is where we stand in the Big Ten right now. Purdue seemed like the biggest lock of the major conferences to win the regular season title. And even with a couple of losses on the road, they're only a half a game behind Wisconsin. No doubt the Boilermakers still the team to beat in the old Big Ten Conference. All right, quick timeout. We've got some sports wagering conversation to get to coming up next on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass, Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouthwatering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass, Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 